if I had recorded this episode 24 hours earlier, I would have opened by saying how disappointed I had been in the NLCS and the ALCS. They weren't competitive games, it looked like we were getting two sweeps, and people were already planning for the World Series. But now, things are a little bit different. The Astros went into Arlington and took two games off of the Texas Rangers. The presence of Creed in the stands didn't help on this occasion. And the Diamondbacks at home in the desert got a game back from the Phillies and a nail-biting finish to Game 3. Both the NL and ALCSs are looking like they could be electric now. And at this point, who knows who will be the two teams playing in the World Series. So let's not waste any time and let's talk baseball. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening. This is Let's Talk Baseball. I'm your host, Tom Scales, and on today's show, we're going straight into last night's action as the D-backs and Astros won their respective games and potentially lit a fire under the CS rounds. There's only really one place that I want to start with this, and we're going to start in chronological order. We're going to start with the first game of the day, which was the Arizona Diamondbacks at home in Chase Field against the Philadelphia Phillies. There was, for the life of all of us, probably expecting the Phillies to continue their hot streak, to continue playing as well as they have done in recent weeks, and just, you know, roll not roll over, but deal with the Diamondbacks in a more comfortable way. But, no. It didn't quite work out that way. And the reason it didn't quite work out that way is because the Arizona Diamondbacks at home seems to be a different monster. Going into Philadelphia, you can't blame them for being a bit overawed, you can't blame them for being a bit tense, a bit anxious, because that's a situation where most teams would struggle. You know, the Braves struggled massively with the atmosphere, with the hostileness of the fans, and I say this without knowing whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but the Philly fans across all sports are a different breed. They're unlike anything, I think, in American sports. I can't really compare them to English sports or European sports because there's not that much to work with in terms of the European teams. But you go into Philly expecting a raucous crowd. You go into Philly expecting to be taken back by what comes your way. You'll be abused, you'll be chanted at. It was 111 decibels on a home run in Philly that on, on, on one of the evenings. And if anything, the Diamondbacks will be glad to be out of there for now. They'll be glad to get this game under their belts. And it was a game that I think threatened to open up a whole can of worms about analytics in pitching changes because for most of the game 
It was tense, it was tight, it was close. You could separate the two teams very thin, with a very thin piece of paper. There wasn't much separating them. Brandon Fat, I think that's how you pronounce your name. Pronounce his name P F A A D T. So we're just going to call him that for now. And I apologise if I got his name wrong, but that's how I think it's spelled. He pitched five and two thirds scoreless innings, but when he was taken out of the game, there was uproar because everybody looked at it and gone, "He's dealing. He's on fire. He's performing so well," but. Just couldn't. He, he, they couldn't let him face Carl Schwarber for a third time. He was facing the order for a third time, and you know what? I kind of get it. And luckily for the Diamondbacks, they pulled through and they ended up winning the game. It was one of those moments that you look on social media and you can you can predict what the outcome is going to be. I thought at the time I, when they when the when the Phillies took the lead <coughs> when the Phillies took the lead before Arizona tied it up with Gurriel Jr.'s RBI double in the seventh. I thought, okay, this pitch and change is going to come back to bite them. This is going to come back to haunt the Diamondbacks, and it's going to be a similar situation that we had with the Blue Jays, where the decision of the analytics, the decision of the binder, the stats binder, is going to over overweigh whatever the feeling was and whatever the the situation itself was. And I admit I was probably going to be part of that because there is a fine balance between the two. But, Fat became the first pitcher in postseason history to have two straight outings, giving up no runs and no walks. I would have, if I was the manager, and this is probably why I'm not a major league manager, or any kind of manager, I would have kept him in. And it was just, it was a fun game, because it it had the tension around it. I just think that pitching change is one that, if the Diamondbacks go on to win this series, I think that will be looked at as a really big moment. Because a lot of people would have left him in. I would have left him in. Even on the other side with the Phillies pitching, with Ranger Suarez, he was on fire. It was too, It was a great pitching duel that I don't think anybody has, any of us had expected. And we'll move on to we'll talk about pitching with the Rangers later on. But it became it shows just how important the pitching management is within the postseason. It's completely it's a different sport than the regular season because you if that is the regular season you're probably leaving your starter out there for a while, knowing he's not going to pitch for another five days. But you need to try different things in the postseason. You go into the you go into the seventh when Harper was walked, Alex Bohm hit an infield single. Bryson Stock grounded into a double play. Harper took third. And then a slider that swerved over the, the batter's box bounced to the backstop. You know, it, re- it rebounded to the catcher eventually. And then he threw the pitch over to the pitcher, who was covering the plate. Harper slid in, scored... And it was at that moment I distinctly remember everybody on social media and people watching the game going, "Uh oh, uh oh, here we go. This is where it ends. This is where things get different. This is where things get difficult for the Diamondbacks. That damn pitching change. Why he was on fire? Why take him out?" And I get that, but luckily for them, they 
re- re- they reacted well. They pulled it out. They had the bases loaded against K- Craig Kimbrell in the ninth. What then happens? Cattell Marte hits a hits a hits a walk off walk off single. Three hit afternoon, absolutely on fire. Superb performance from him. Superb in the end from the from the Diamondbacks to keep a Phillies lineup who had been just raking and hitting absolute machines, kept them quiet. And I think that's a great kind of important important thing to go with because they now play them next. You know, obviously at home again. There's gonna be a lot of talk about whether they're gonna be able to keep the keep the Phillies quiet again. And you know, maybe they won't. But if the Diamondbacks can get another game and if the Diamondbacks can level this series out, then it's going to be incredible to see what then happens in the remaining games. Because I think everybody after the first two games assumed the Phillies were just going to walk in. And I think when they're at home, they will. When they're at the bank, they will. Because I don't think anybody's going to beat that atmosphere. And it's going to take a lot of oomph to go into that atmosphere and win. The Diamondbacks aren't out of it yet, man. They're not out of it yet. It's it's a unique situation they find themselves in where if they go and lose 4-1 in the series now, I think most people will be like, ah, oh, you know, you did well. They probably didn't expect them to get this far. I certainly didn't expect them to get this far. So I think most people will hold their hands up and like applaud them and be and you know quite con- con- congratulatory about them and be full of praise for them whilst understanding that they lost to the better team. We'll see what happens in the next game because I what was it? There was Philly fans are buying tickets to the game. I think I saw on social media they're buying tickets to the game with no intention of going to the game just so the the stadium is more empty therefore in theory giving the Phillies more of an advantage because it isn't a home field advantage with the fans in the crowd and that is pettiness that we can all get behind because that just emphasises the point that Philly fans are different just a different breed they're a different level, they're rabid they're all they want is their teams to win and they'll do anything for their teams to win. But then they're also ridiculously passionate about their team. I remember, obviously we were at the Super Bowl this past this past year, Chiefs v Eagles. And I can't remember exactly what the incident was, but I believe there was a flag on a play. And where we were, where we where our radio setup was, was near a concourse, and above us was another level of, of of the stadium. It was the highest level, just above us. And I remember I turned around to our comms team because we had the comms team on one side, on one level, and then on the row down, I was there, essentially with a row to myself. It was amazing. And there was, I think, it was a flag on the play or an iffy, some kind of iffy decision. And just beer was raining down on us. Just from, from from the levels above. They were throwing it. 
I mean, I didn't get covered, but I had enough on me. We had to cover the equipment. You know, we were ducking down. And I remember... I can't remember when it was. It would have been some way through the third I believe, third quarter, I believe it was. That Not the beer throwing. That would, I think that was the fourth. But in the third, I popped off to the toilet, which was right near where we were. And it was full of Eagles fans. The urinal was full of Eagles fans. There wasn't a Chiefs fan in sight. And they were just... I can't believe they didn't give that. I can't. That wasn't fucking holding. That wasn't. And it was just incessant. I'm trying to have a have a wee, and all I've got is people in Nick Foles jersey and Jalen Hurts jerseys screaming at each at each other that something hadn't gone their way. They supported the same team. They were there for the same team, and they were. Little did I realise that it wasn't an argument, it was just how way Philly fans talk to each other. And I'm recognising with the Phillies team that their fans are just desperate for them to win. I think doubly more so because of last season as well, where They were so close, and they came up against the machine that is the the playoff machine that is the Astros. And I think the Phillies fans recognise that this team, and in this situation, it just feels like they're going to go all the way. I said after game two, I can't remember what moment it was, where There's just something about this team that I can't put my finger on precisely, but there's something there that you can look at and just go, yeah, this is going to happen. Sometimes you just get that feeling. You just look at a team and everything you can just tell everything is going right. Everything just makes sense. And with this Philly team, it does. This isn't a knock on the Diamondbacks. I think they're a good team that are punching well above their weight and they'll be the first to admit it. And I think that's why the noise around them is ever so slightly different because they're not expected to be here. They've got good players. Cattell Marte is a very good player. Corbin Carroll is obviously a very good player. Zach Gallen is a fantastic pitcher. But they're not expected to be you know, going into Game 4 of the NLCS. That's reserved for the Dodgers. That's reserved... Even pre-season, that would have been reserved for... The Padres. And I think you'd probably put the Giants ahead of them as well. That being said, they're in this position now. And I think they're playing with a freedom. Where the, there is no pressure on their shoulders. To be to be perfectly honest. The pressure at this point is all on the Phillies. And the Diamondbacks are just enjoying their ride. And you can tell they're enjoying themselves. So, who can blame them? I just hope there's part of me that hopes they win game four. I don't have a I don't have a dog in the fight. I couldn't care less who really wins. I hope they win game four just to make the series even more interesting. And speaking of a series that have just become more interesting because the team has got it back to two all in a game in a game four. The Houston Astros. Everybody's favourite enemy. 
defeated the Texas Rangers 10-3 in Game 4 after starting the game like a house on fire. After they went 3 nothing up, four batters into the game in the first inning against you know, Yankees legend Andrew Heaney, Heen Dog as he was known as. And, you know, game five, Friday afternoon in America, Friday, Friday evening here in the, United, in the United Kingdom. The Astros are 8-1 and one this season in Arlington. And here's a fantastic stat that I didn't realise. This, this ALCS, there hasn't been a moment where the home team has led I find that incredible. Game 5 is in Arlington. Game 6 then goes back to Houston. For, then obviously if it goes to a Game 7. Game 7 in Houston. I'm telling you now. A Game 7 in Houston is not what you want your team to be. The Rangers have now dropped 2 in a row. 2 in a row after winning 7 in a row. 6 of them on the road. They swept the Baltimore Orioles. They swept the Tampa Bay Rays. They're not going to sweep the Houston Astros. And Jose Altuve had three hits, scored three times, and it was his 100th career playoff game. There's going to come a point in time with him where he's going to be remembered as one of if not the most consistent playoff performer of all time. Now, obviously, obviously, there's going to be the asterisks against his name due to what happened in 2017. He had the allegations of the buzzer on his chest, and I've not seen any concrete evidence other than the John Boy breakdowns to suggest that that is the case. And part of me doesn't want that to be true, either. Not because I have a particular fondness for Jose Altuve or the Houston Astros, but it just—it was bad enough losing to the Astros when they cheated once. I don't want to—I don't want it to happen a second time. If they—if they're going to beat my Yankees, I at least want it to be fair. I, they are the better team. There's no doubt about that. But I want them to prove it. Don't cheat. Beat them properly. Anyway, the Astros have this n- incredible knack of just performing. In the in the postseason, and Jose Altuve is is indicative of that mentality, of that performance, because he, by all accounts, listening to what Houston fans have said, reading what Houston fans have said on social media, and I've said it before on this show in the regular season, a lot of them said this wasn't a vintage Astros team. This wasn't a team that. They were as confident as they were in other years. But since since probably the late July, early September, early sorry, uh, late August, this team has kicked on. It won the division over the Rangers. And everybody who's anybody knew that the moment you let the Houston Astros get hot, heading into the postseason, it's game over. 
somehow the Rangers went to Minute Maid and took two games off of them. That's when I started to look at the Rangers and go, okay, okay, this could be fun. This could be a good team. Because trust me, taking one game from there is considered victory. And then they go, they take them home, take them back to Globe Life, and the Astros take two. And you just look at them, you look at the Rangers and go, all you had to do was win one. All you had to do was win one game. That's it. That's all you had to do. And you didn't do it. And now you've woke them up. Now you've let them back in. What are you doing, mate? We've been, Some of us have been here before. You don't give them... When you're leading, you don't give them a game. You do not give them a game. So what have they done? They've given them a game. I think it's I think it's dangerous from the from the Rangers because put put the Rangers' issues to one side. We'll get on to that in a minute. What has happened is it's irrelevant what the Rangers do. What the Rangers do is their own thing. But what they have now done is let the Astros in. And the Astros in the postseason are so relentless, they are monsters, they are machines, that it's almost irrelevant what you do. They've got their own way of playing, they've got their own game plan, and they're going to go and do it. And I think that's the problem. The Rangers pitching was showing up in Game uh, game 3 and Game 4. You know, Andrew Heaney's not a good pitcher. Trust me, I saw him pitch. He's not good. But we knew that. And they probably knew it as well. But putting Max Scherzer in for the Game 3 start, when he hasn't pitched for a number of months, was a complete and utter disaster. It was so stupid. It, it, he hasn't been good all season. He hasn't been that player all year for the Rangers or the Mets. I wouldn't be surprised if the pitch clock has affected him. Because he just doesn't look like the same monster. He doesn't look like the same machine. But... He's now... He's now lined up... In a game three... In a huge game... For the Texas Rangers. And he's 
just not performed. And I think the worst thing is, everybody kind of knew this was going to happen. Everybody knew he was going to be terrible. And he did. According to ESPN Stats and Info, the Astros were the 28th team all-time to drop the first two games at home of the best-of-seven postseason series. They're only the fifth to, of those to come back to tie the series 2-2. The last team to do that was the Houston Astros in the 2019 World Series against the Washington Nationals. The Nationals went on to win the title, with the road team winning every game of that series. They're, they're monsters. They're machines. And you know what? It's only be a, it's only a quick episode today because there's only there's only two games to talk about. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be remiss of me to end this episode with one line, with one statement that I think is not only just true but also harrowing. Max Scherzer has saved the Houston Astros' season. That performance in Game 3 let them in. And if there's one thing you don't do, you don't let the postseason Houston Astros into your world. The reason why you don't do that is because they can turn it on at any moment. And guess what's happened? They've turned it on at any moment. Going into game three, I would have put the money on the Rangers winning at least one game at home. And they might still do that in game five. But I'll tell you what. I wouldn't bet on it. My confidence level in that team is completely gone. And it has nothing to do with them. They're still a good team with good players. And somehow a Rolders Chapman hasn't cost them anything yet. And that's the terrifying part. He's going to end up going back to Minute Maid Park in a, in a do-or-go-home game. I'm terrified for him. And I don't, want, I don't care for the Rangers. But it's fair to say that Max Scherzer has saved the Houston Astros this season. This has been Let's Talk Baseball. Thank you for listening once again. It's only a short half hour one today. But hopefully when the playoffs kick into another level, we're going to be here. We're going to be here for the World Series. We're going to be reacting to the World Series. I can't wait. I know deep down who I want it to be. I know deep down who I want to win, who I want to win the thing. But I won't say that just yet. I'll wait to see who in the, who's in the matchup before I go out and Make a prediction of any kind. This has been Let's Talk Baseball. Thank you for listening. Please leave comments. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please follow. Do all of that kind of thing. It helps in the algorithm. Thank you for listening and have a good day.